Hey, Quinn. Hey, Lindsay. So, did you remember what today is? Um, today, uh, let's see. Uh, my mom called me earlier, but, you know, I, I, I wasn't feeling it, so... Um, Ooh, well... Do you I'm think just... I should have picked that call up? <laughs> you may want to have. Oh. Uh, because... Oh! Is it Mother's Day? Yes, it is, sir. Uh-oh. And... Because it's Mother's Day, we're I'll doing. Be right back. <laughs> well, first, okay. I'm so All sorry, right. Sherry. Right. But first, <laughs> we are going to do a special Mother's Day episode, which is kind of a bonus for this week. Um, on top of our bonus, <laughs> bonus, bonus, bonus. On top of our environmental health episode. So, uh, yeah, let's get started. Yeah. Okay. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Please don't I love kill you. him. She, he loves you so much. Even, it's okay. So, public health spans the health of a population from womb to tomb, right? And because it's Mother's Day, we're going to talk a little bit about the womb and post-womb phase. Okay, that was like a lot of womb usage, so I am so sorry. So, instead, let's just call it the field of maternal and child health. Well, that sounds nice. Okay, so... This topic covers mothers, infants, and young children and their associated health issues. There's so much that happens during pregnancy and even before then, which some will call preconception, that can impact the health of a person for their entire lifespan. And yet, there's still so much that we don't know. Once a child is born and and the woman gives birth, many different emotional, educational, developmental, health, and social changes happen for both. This is why being a mom is hard, stressful, and full of worry. Many of these changes intersect and ultimately impact the overall health and quality of life for the new family. Understanding these intersections and their impacts is the goal of public health practitioners in this specific field. And in a future episode, we'll actually go into further detail about maternal and child health because there is a ton of stuff that we could cover. So Quinn, tell me about an experience that you've had you know, in the field of maternal and child health, either as a public health professional or a regular Joe? Hmm, an experience. Well, um, through my work as a public health professional, I work uh, in community health, and so that spans um, many different themes and and diseases and topics. And just last week, I went to a um, community presentation um, at, at a local hospital about the importance of breastfeeding nice. and also the importance of safe sleep habits. Great. And you know, I actually, I mean, we don't have kids right now, but um, that may be in our future. And I, you know, learned a lot about just how, you know, I, you, you want to give a kid their blanket and their toy and like Mm -hmm. make them all comfortable in there but really until they reach a certain age the safest way is on their back with no blankets no toys and Mm -hmm. um we really need to make sure that parents know that and um there's like this whole field of preventing SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting and we are fortunate enough here in this county to have um, the county medical examiner's office, their lead of investigations, has made preventing um, 
infant death like one of his main issues that he champions. And so he goes That's around really cool. and does these presentations about, gives out information about safe sleeping and, um, you know, it was, it was good. One of the really good little nuggets that stuck with me was that, um, you know, when he does education and he talks to parents who have said, well, you know, we've, we've slept with our infants in our bed and they turned out just fine mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a, there's a danger in that. Comfy right. sheets, you could roll over and suffocate right. them or something. Um, he says, well, you know, just because, and, they, and for instance, they're having another child, uh, just because they didn't, you know, have an incident with the first child, does that mean you're not going to buckle up your child in a, in a car seat? Yeah, you're that's just going to kind of like hold your infant while you're driving. Um, you're not going to get a car seat this time because you didn't happen to get in a car accident right. uh, last, you know, pregnancy. Yeah. Um, are you willing to take that risk again just because it didn't? <laughs> nothing bad happened the first time. And there's like such a good uh, health education component to that, and, mm-hmm. and health communication aspect of that that I thought was really interesting. That's really cool, and there's actually that's a that's a pretty big debate um, in the maternal and child health field is co sleeping because there is there are certain cultures where co sleeping is um, normal and a part of um, the infant experience, uh, but you know that, that would be like an entire episode in and of itself. So, oh, yeah. and I'm sure there's like maternal and child health people that are grinding their teeth right now. So, but. But that's why we have these type of discussions, because I think it's good to hear both sides, and especially if there's evidence, you know, that supports both. So well, yeah, one of the one of the things that the presenter was talking about is they're saying that there's so much, um, so much of the guidelines are contradictory, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, here are the benefits of, of breastfeeding up until this age, and then here are some of the benefits of breastfeeding. Uh, at a, a, to a different, a totally different age, or right. um, the benefits of sleeping in this arrangement until this age, or a different arrangement until, and so like there's all these studies and evidence that like seem to contradict each other, mm-hmm. but it's more kind of a, you know, have a good working relationship with your doctor, make an informed decision based on the yeah. evidence, and and try not to like lose sleep about it. Yeah. Because you're already going to lose sleep do all anyway. You can. Exactly. You're already <laughs> going to lose sleep about it. Yes. But, uh, yeah. No, I think that's really cool that the medical examiner has, like, taken that up as his cause. You don't, you don't think of the medical examiner as somebody that would get involved in a public health cause, but that's awesome. Cross, cross-cutting collaborations, which is great. Um, for me, I've talked before on the show about uh, working at Head Start. And a lot of what I did was maternal and child health, making sure that kids were getting their vaccines on time, uh, dealing with the, you know. Wasn't um, there just a big measles outbreak in Minnesota? There was, yes. And part of that was because of the anti-vaccination movement um, among the Somali population that's in, um, was it Minnesota? In Minnesota. In Minnesota, yeah. So they're really, they're fighting really hard to combat those um those beliefs, which is hard because, um, like we've talked many a time on, um, on this show about, you know, the, the power of culture and the power of 
belief on how we make decisions about our health. So, um, yeah, that that's a really uh, very timely thing to bring up. So, what are some other maternal and child health issues or topics? Well, besides vaccination, um, we talked about breastfeeding. We talked about sleep. Um, I mean, there's gestational diabetes. That's a good one. There's postpartum depression. That's a really good one. Yep. Um, Luckily, we're not talking so much about smoking while pregnancy yeah. or drinking while that pregnancy. That still happens, though. Actually, in Pasco County, um, they have some. They actually have um, an issue with uh, women, young young women who are pregnant and smoking because they believe that if they smoke, the baby's head will be smaller and therefore it won't be as painful of a birth. That's a real story that I heard from somebody that works up in Pasco. Yikes. Yeah, so they're working hard to combat that, uh, that, well, I don't know if it's much of a myth, but it's not great. That's not a great reason to... uh, No. Low birth weight uh, pregnancies are not a great reason to continue to smoke no. but uh, we mentioned in a previous episode preventing mother to child transmission i was going to bring that up yeah and other diseases actually in pinellas county a few years ago there was um, an actual epidemic an outbreak is what they um, called it although it wasn't necessarily infectious but a, a cluster of infants born um and and the exact Terminology, medical terminology escapes me, but basically, born in um, withdrawals. So for for opioids and, right. and other right because their mothers drugs. Yes, their mothers were drug users, right. and so the the kids came out basically addicted to whatever the mother was addicted to. I think they call it chemically dependent. Okay, because I um, when I worked um in head start i actually uh went to a couple of those coalition meetings because it was a huge problem and um we have uh john hopkins all children's hospital here in pinellas county and their NICU was essentially full of babies that were born chemically dependent and a lot of the nurses that were a part of this coalition were saying you know one of the things that's the hardest is that these babies are very hard to soothe um, because they don't necessarily like to be touched or swaddled Oh, wow. So, you know, they spend, um, you know, a significantly longer amount of time in NICU, which has an economic impact, but also, you know, that baby is away from its mother. And we there is research to show that, you know, things like kangaroo care and touch and, you know, being able to be with your baby is very important to um, development. Yeah. So. Well, these are all, like, pretty serious topics, but um, I feel like everyone who I've spoke to who's worked in the field of maternal and child health are they're just the kindest, like mm-hmm. sweetest, but also most dedicated and hardworking, um, some of the most dedicated and hardworking people I've ever met because they have to deal with these very um, tough circumstances. Yes, I agree. And a lot of and them are also parents. And yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of them are, are parents. And so. that kind of drives them. So Yeah. Yeah. So because it's Mother's Day, um, we would also like to thank moms, moms and families everywhere for the hard work, love, and sacrifice that they make every day. Thanks, many, moms. Thanks, moms. Many, um, okay, so many of these sacrifices are usually behind the scenes. And sometimes can even be as small as a helpful chromosome. 
Oh. You know? Yeah. So Quinn and I would not be the goofy, public health-loving people we are if it wasn't for the love and support of our dedicated moms and our families. So Thanks, moms. Thanks, and, moms. And thank, thank you to maternal and child health workers. Yeah. Thank you for... You guys you, are in this, too. Yeah, for like making sure that we were like healthy and stuff. As, as we babes. Well put. We babes. <laughs> we babes, indeed. <laughs> well, um, we have a couple of very special guests coming up. And uh, I guess we should we should get to that. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for this interview. So yeah, enjoy. it should be good. Yes, enjoy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Let me introduce one of our guests today. Sherry is an early childhood educator with over twenty five years of experience work- working with our youngest minds, teaching them the importance of learning, sharing, creating, and engaging socially in our complex world. She is also an accomplished artist and actress specializing in collaborative storytelling pieces with children, often using upcycled materials. She also works for a project teaching elementary aged children literacy skills through artwork. In 2014, one project, a multi-panel collage depicting horses, was displayed in a gallery in New South Wales, Australia. She also happens to be my mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Quinn. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And our other guest is Linda. Linda is a federal employee working for her local post office as a rural mail carrier. She has over 20 years experience as a family farmer growing soybeans, corn, and wheat. She is an avid motorcyclist and has volunteered extensively with the local 4-H club and Quincy Athletic Boosters. She holds the record for highest average rebounds in women's basketball at Quincy High School and is an accomplished antique wood restoration hobbyist. She also happens to be my mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Lindsay. (laughs) So we thought that today, because it is Mother's Day, that we would bring you on and we would talk to you about about public health and about the work that uh, that Lindsay and I do. And, you know, just, just by talking with other public health workers and other scientists, it's hard for, you know, people to, to explain to their parents, their grandparents, their, their, uh, sometimes even their peers, what it is we do. And so we thought, let's bring our moms on and we can kind of talk about this a little bit. So mom, Lindsay's mom, I guess I could say Linda, although, oh, it's like, it's like when you get old enough to call your teachers by their first name, but it still feels weird. It still feels weird. Anyways. So what did you think when I told you that I was pursuing a career in public health? What did I think? Yeah. About, well, uh, I knew you were always the science guy, even when you were two years old. And I love this story and this memory of you running up the stairs because we lived on Pinellas Point Drive and we had stairs and two levels, and you came bounding up the stairs, and between your thumb and index finger, you had a small ant. And the ant was wiggling in your hand, and you were calling out to me, Mom, Mom, look, look, what's on the top of its head? And I said, those are 
antennas. What do they do? I said, well, they help the ant see and feel and find their way. And you were so enamored with that little ant and it, it lived. And we actually went downstairs outside and let it go. And you watched it as it went on. And, Aww. you know, we, we, uh, grew caterpillars and watched them metamorphosize. Great science word. Yep. There, nice. I know a few. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, we grew sunflowers. We measured. So all of those wonderful science things we knew as as a young child that you were headed in that direction. And that's why we sent you to a science school all the way through high school. And then yep. that certainly led the way to college for you. So I remember all those uh, long nights doing uh, science fair projects and encouraging you. And so, yeah, that's, that's I think, how yep. we kind of knew where that journey was going to lead. I know because you got me a light microscope when I was little. Absolutely, oh, and a bunch cool. of a bunch of slides. They were like old, old slides with bug parts and other like, oh, you know, really cells cool. of, of different plants, like you know, a cell of an onion or cell of an. And I would just sit there and like look through it. Had to get it like just right in the window so that the light would come in. That was fun. And in really elementary cool. school, you went to the uh, belonged to the Young Astronauts Club. Yep, and and went to uh, NASA and uh, spent the spent the weekend. So, yeah. So, what about you, Mom? What did you think when I told you I was going to go into public health? Well, at first, I was it was quite a surprise because you know you were always into art, and um, you wanted to be an art teacher, and um, I was very surprised. But um, the main thing I w was concerned was I just wanted you to be happy with whatever you pursued in, in life because you're going to be doing a job a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we wanted you to be happy, number one. And number two, we wanted to make sure that it was something that you would be able to get a job when you got out of school to be able to you know pay your student loans and stuff like that. But, um, it's very pragmatic. Yes. Well, it just, you know, it was just a very surprise to us because you were always just, you just love to draw and all that. But mm -hmm. you, you've incorporated your um, gift of being able to, um, with graphic design and into public health and has helped, you know, uh, people becoming more informed mm -hmm. on, you know, doing brochures and stuff like that. And, um, but you, as a child, you, I mean, you had your things. You've always been, you were in 4-H and we had animals and mm -hmm. you guys were always very, very caring towards the animals and, and, uh, we'd get upset when we'd go to the fair and you'd see other young people, you know, not taking care of their animals and you, you were a very caring child and, and still Aww. are very, a caring person, woman. I mean, you care a lot about people, you know. Oh, thanks, mom. Well, you do. You're very, you're very passionate about what you do, and and uh, we need people like that. We need people that, like Quinn, that's interested in the science part. Also, um, we need people that want to help 
to get out, get the word out about, uh, you know, uh, public health and what's going on with it because it changes from day to day. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's great that that you you've done a lot with it, and uh, I'm very proud as a parent to uh, say that you're my daughter. Oh, thanks, Mom. So, with that being said, um, in your words, Mom, what is it that we do? Well, I I think a lot of it is about scientific research, um, looking at policies, and uh, prevention. I think, to me, that is the number one uh, goal of public health is prevention. And that's one thing that you've taught me uh, in, in, uh, in sharing what, what you do. Very cool. Yeah. Before you get sick, what yeah. can we do to prevent that? Right. Mm-hmm. So same thing for you, Mom. Um, in your words, what is it that we do in well, public health? I have to agree with, I have to agree with Quinn's mom. She you you do do a lot of, they do do a lot of research and um i guess in my i'm surprised that when i was younger i really didn't think too much about public health i mean when my parents had me um we just got shots and you did whatever you know the doctor told you to do and and so when i became a mother i did the same thing and and now mm-hmm. i think about uh, in today's world, uh, how important public health really is. I mean, I might not be here today without public health. I mean, uh, with the research they do, um, getting information to people on, you know, uh, what's going on in the world, the new diseases that's, you know, like Lyme disease and things that we didn't have to worry about when I was a children or when I was a child. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I I think a lot of people don't realize how important public health really is. I mean, they, I think they kind of take it for granted sometimes. And mm-hmm. I was one of those people. And now that I have a daughter that's in public health and she's very informed and she's very passionate about it, um, I think I'm more informed, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I feel that it's very, very important, very important. So... Thanks. So, um, how, so let, I don't know, I want to take a minute to reflect about how the field of public health has affected you over your lifetime, whether or not you were aware of it at the time. Um, so looking back, what kinds of ways has the field of public health impacted your life? Well, first of all, uh, raising three children has had a great impact uh, on on education. And one of the reasons that I chose uh, a career path in early childhood was to figure out what to do with a young child. And that uh, propelled my interest into a field of, of uh, early childhood education. Um, 20 or 30 years ago, uh, as Linda was talking about, uh, we pretty much went to the doctor's office and we did what we were told as far as vaccines and immunizations. Um, and 
we, if we were lucky, had some pamphlets in the office that we could take, which would inform us in, in a public health manner. And in many ways, that was public health reaching out to us. Now we have such a diversity of means to uh, get that information. Um, I get most of my information from the internet. I am an avid researcher, Googler. Yep. Uh, I'm a Google great crazy person. Um, <laughs> I think we all are. When, yeah, we, yeah. when it comes to, you know, uh, getting knowledge. And I think in a lot of ways uh, that can, uh, you know, propel us to further investigate what's important um, because, you know, uh, nutrition. Mm -hmm. So when you went into the nutritional sciences, I was thrilled and love to tap into your brain um, as far as how I can help the parents of the children that I work with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to just follow up with, about one thing. You mentioned Googling and, you know, ways that we find information and how it's different from um, generations ago. So how do you know what information to trust and what information may be um, misleading because, you know, there's still a lot of misleading information out there. Well, I think a lot of it certainly is common sense, but I, um, I go to the public health website. Yeah. So if it's by, for instance, a, a reputable mm -hmm. source. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you have to further investigate your facts. Mm -hmm. So you have to take, you know, what's, what's out there, but then you also have to get varying opinions. And I think that's part of what you've taught me in the scientific research. Uh, because yeah. as you know me, I am rather diverse in, in thinking across the board in, in all subjects. So <laughs> I'm pretty open to, you know, whatever, um, uh, comes out uh, in in knowledge and some of it of course is is way out there and some of it is very much concrete and on the ground so mm -hmm. I remember one of my earliest memories of just of thinking about public health was I remember seeing on your arm that little spot and I was like mom what is that thing and you're like oh that was the, the smallpox vaccine and I, like yeah. Lindsay and I did no, we didn't have we to have get that, that because yeah. they eradicated it mm -hmm. completely off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, do you remember getting that? Oh, absolutely. And do you, Linda, do you remember getting your smallpox vaccine? And, and I yep. remember my mom saying, don't touch that scab. Yep, I do. Oh, yeah. It was a big, it was a big deal because it, you had a big scab on the side did of your Did they come to you or did you have to go to the doctor's no, office? No, we went to, to the doctor's office. Yeah. yeah. And it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt. It did. But I mean, because a lot of things have changed in the past you know, number of years. And like uh, everyone used to smoke. Ah, uh, yes. And I mean, everything, there's a lot of differences. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think, Linda? Uh, yeah, smoking has, just to, just thinking back when I was a kid, um, you know, you've seen the commercials on TV about how cool it was to smoke and you know, they were like promoting it and, um, and then, you know, now it's more, so it's more prevention. You know, you don't see the commercials. Yeah, it's cool. You know, you're the guy, the Marlboro cowboy, you know, you know, oh, that's cool back then. And then now it's more like, uh, prevention showing, you know, some of the commercials are very, uh, I mean, they, they kind of scare you. I mean, they see what these people have gone through and you're, I was never a big uh, 
my dad smoked cigars. Uh, I, uh, my mom didn't smoke. I tried it when I was a kid, and I just didn't like the smell. Your clothes, no, just kidding. <laughs> your, your clothes smell, your hair smells. Even standing around somebody that smokes, you know, you can smell all that. Or if you go into a, well, it used to be, you know, you could go anywhere, a restaurant, a bar. You know, you walk out of the bar or the restaurant, and you smell like smoke. And it was just never something I was real interested in. I guess I'm very thankful because, you know, I did have an uncle that uh, had had uh, emphysema. Mm-hmm. And watching him go through uh, that in his later years, you know, having to be on oxygen, being inside all the time, not my idea of a great, great time. I mean, it was not very nice to watch him go through yeah. that. So when, okay, so is something, is public health something that you actually think about on a regular basis or just when an issue comes up or just when I talk to you about it? I think, I think about it more now than I did uh, when I was younger. And probably some of that is due to because of you being in the field and being more informed. Um, But, you know, uh, we do watch the news a lot because we mm-hmm. like to know what's going on in the world and and I think uh, you pass that down because I'm a news junkie too. <laughs> yeah, and I uh you know when the news comes on and they're talking about anything with public health, you know, I'm right, you know, I'm concerned. I I'm you know, I'm concerned more so than I was when I was younger. I guess when you're younger and you have young children, you're you don't have a lot of time for the news and you don't, you know, you're you're, I guess I want to say you're sidetracked because you're so busy. A little but, bit. Um, as you get older and you you uh, go through your body changes and uh, you know your body wears out. You you uh, public health is uh, I guess makes it a little more important to you. Maybe we I guess maybe I want to say when you're younger you either you don't think about it or you kind of take life for life for granted. Mm-hmm. So as you get older, you're more you're more uh, thinking about, you know, um, you know what's what you need to be more informed about on taking care of yourself because you want to be able to preserve as your life as long as you can. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's important. Very, very well said. What do you think, Mom? Like, um, is it something that you think about? on a regular basis or just like when something's in the news or when I say, Hey, did you hear about this thing? This weird study that came out? Um, Well, of course I, I am always interested in those weird studies. (laughs) (laughs) And so please don't ever stop saying, Hey, did you hear about this? Because you know, that's how we, that's certainly how we learn some great stuff. Um, But I think mostly I keep informed uh, with children those are our those are our future uh, yep. kids uh, that are up and coming, and we want to certainly keep them healthy and prevent uh, anything you know com- that's a stumbling block for them as they grow. And uh, a big focus for me, given my uh, field, is uh, how to help parents and. Um, 
keeping parents informed. Um, one of the things that, that we do that's directly related, I think, with public health is we do a, a screening tool with each child that comes in uh, in the fall to class, and uh, that can help us to know where they are developmentally. Mm -hmm. And all of those policies are then set, you know, by public health professionals, and that gives us the tools that we need to help the parents know if they need further screenings, um, any of those red flags that come up that we can uh, help them, be it in speech or uh, something in their metabolism, I mean, anything. Um, and and you do a lot, actually. You don't, you don't think of early childhood head education as a, as a public health-related field, but it really is because we know by looking at the social determinants of health, that education is a very exactly. big one. And you've taught me that when kids are as young as two years old, three years old, they're learning um, self-control. They're learning how to process information and what to do with that information. How They're learning how to learn. Absolutely. They're learning how to interact. It does. Yeah. It yep. starts at birth. Starts I understand. Birth. But the, more of yeah. the, the verbal and, interaction and with other people. And we can back it up even further to yeah. pregnancy and how important. And, you know, as Linda was talking about, you know, it was so common to smoke uh, during pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was Doctors would say if, to calm, you know, calm, to your calm, nerves. calm your nerves. Right. Have a you drink. Know, have a have cigarette. A, have a drink. Have a, have a cigarette. Yep. And, and, you know, Linda and I have survived. But that's because we probably ate dirt. But still, <laughs> ate dirt and you wash it down with the hose. Yeah, that's fine. right. Well, water. You know. So, well, but there are many things that that we're we're finding out um, that you know can help prevent uh, any stumbling blocks for us in the future. So. And yeah. actually, even in your profession, Mom, as a postal worker, I think about. You know, you see a lot of elderly people or people who are, you know, homebound. So you have the chance to interact with other people who may be isolated and that impacts mental health, which mm -hmm. is also something that's really important. So you're contributing to public health in your own way as a rural mail carrier. Well, I never thought about that that way, but I, I guess you're right because, uh, you know, uh, I uh, d deeply care about uh my customers and as as the elderly and it does happen that if they don't pick up their mail up in a few days uh, I usually go up to the door and uh, knock on the door and make sure they're all right because a lot of there's a lot of elderly people out there that you know their family doesn't live close or they're, they don't have much to do with them and there's nobody you know taking care of them they could fall and you know nobody know it you know, it's it has happened in the past. I mean, there has been carriers that have found people and hurt, mm -hmm. and you know they've helped them. You know, got called the ambulance, whatever. But and and it's also nice to to have a conversation with most of your you know older people. They're like you say, they're happy to see you, and you know, mm -hmm. just have a little little uh, conversation with them, like what's going on, and and uh, you know they enjoy talking to you and. You know, it's it's a good job. I I can't complain about it. I mean, I I uh, it's a good job, mm -hmm. except for the stress in the winter time when you got to drive. But oh. that's uh, true. That's true. Being yes, in rural Michigan yeah. is not great. And and helping to maintain that social cohesion and the so um, and social capital. Social capital. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So, but you yeah, contribute I, to that. Right. Right. And as you know, uh, um, we, you guys were talking about, uh, you know, what we eat, like we're talking about the dirt. We're talking about eating dirt. <laughs> and, said, and you know, I, uh, I, when I was thinking about that, because, um, we've always said, because we've always had a garden and we've always ate from our garden all mm-hmm. winter long, as Lindsay would know. Um, sometimes I think that, uh, we might be leading a little healthier life than, you know, people that buy their food from the store just because we know what we don't put certain sprays on our, our sweet corn and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes I think, you know, well, we're pretty fortunate that we are farmers and that we grow most of our own food. We don't eat all of our own food, but um, most of it we do. Well, this has been really good. Um, One question that we always ask our guests is about what they are currently reading or enjoying, um, pop culture, television, books, um, or otherwise. So, uh, what are, what are you currently enjoying mom? Well, I am reading the singing Creek where the willows grow and it's the rediscovered diary of Opal Whiteley. And, uh, it was written in the 1920s uh, by a child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I haven't heard that one. I first read it in 1986. It was a gift from a dear friend of mine and uh so i i'm rereading it and it it's nice. um it's a delightful uh adventure um i'm watching the handmaid's tale Ooh, which girl. is oh, uh, man. what i find um current reality <laughs> oh, and no. oh, of man. course i enjoy my um daily news with trevor noah, noah. yeah yep. <laughs> and then the voice Nice. Which is one of my reality shows. Diversity yeah. in it. Yeah, you've got your guilty pleasures. You've got your yes. yeah, yeah, your no. dark, gritty drama. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So, so what about you, Mom? Are you watching any t- anything on TV particularly that you're really enjoying, or reading anything, or taking up a hobby? Well, you know, we watch the news a lot. We watch uh, NBC a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just to keep informed on what's going on. Um, reading, I don't do a lot of reading. Um, a lot of times I just read like uh, what's going on. I get a postal magazine. I read out of that knowing, trying to keep up on what's going on with our union and my job and that thing. Oh, um, well, you can, you can say if you like to watch a... A uh, partisan uh, TV show that I know you love and you talk about all the time. We, we do watch a lot of. Uh, we love Stephen Colbert. I, we watch oh, okay. his He's show wonderful. every night, late show. Yeah, <laughs> He's so uh, good. You. yeah, yeah. We watch. Yeah. Uh, also, we watch uh, Samantha B, and we love her. Uh, that's oh, good. Sam B. Yep. That mm-hmm. those two shows are keeping. Uh, keeping me uh, sane right now for what's going on with our, with our president and the health care issues. Uh, yeah. It's very disturbing um, to uh, yeah. see people not care about, I mean, people that are running our country 
not caring about poor people, old people, people that, you know, aren't fortunate. Which is sad, Linda, because they're old people. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Old people who don't care about other old people. Other old people with money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we do watch those shows to help us cope with what's going on right now. <laughs> well, you're definitely um, not alone. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, so, um, well, I'll go next. Okay. Just, yeah. I started uh, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Ooh. How was yep. it so far? It's good. Um, yeah, they just started the, the TV show ap- adaptation, I believe, on Stars. But I, before I watch that, I want to read the book. Yes. Because I've heard really good things about it. And I just read my first Neil Gaiman book um, a couple weeks ago, and I really liked it. So. Nice. Yeah. Sci-fi. I just started watching the OA, which is on Netflix, and it's like a science fiction fantasy. We're only on like, I think, episode three, but it's really good. And it's one of those shows where you're just like, I don't, I have no idea where this is going. Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of weird pieces and they don't fit. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Still don't even know what the OA, like what that means. What that means. Yeah. I've seen it come up on my recommended uh, a few times, mm-hmm. but I haven't I haven't watched it yet. Mostly just because I have so many things to watch and enjoy. It's hard to do all of them. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's really what I've been watching. Yeah. I'm still continuing to watch the X-Files, but, you know, got to. Oh. Yeah. Gotta. Lindsay's been watching the X-Files. Like season, like we started Started season one and now we're in season five and it's still pretty crazy. Well, I think I'm going to pick up Stranger Things because I want to gear up for the new season. Yes. yes. I would watch that again. I would would watch it a second time. I would too. And the OA has We're watching Harry Potter too. Oh, Oh, that's right. Yes. At the beginning. Yeah. Yes. So. All good choices. <laughs> I just finished. I just finished Westworld. <gasps> oh, another good one. Yeah, I would watch that one again because I feel like the writing was so good, and there but were you so have many to little. See the movie I would like to watch the movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's a movie. Yeah, from like the oh, 80s, yes. like 1980. Yul Brenner. Oh. Yeah, it was a movie. A bit, you know, because it's based on a book. It's based by on Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's yes. what I thought. I she loved creating and then ruining theme park ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. What about dinosaurs? That'd be great. Nope. Nah, <laughs> what about like robots that you can like bang and shoot? Yeah, that's gonna end. That'll be great. These vi- what is it? These violent delights will end in violent or something. Yep. Messed it up again. These violent delights have violent ends. There we go. Good job. That's why you're the co-host. Um, did your well, mom lose the connection? She did. She's like, I can't hear you. So we might have oh. to retroactively get her things yeah. she's enjoying. Yeah. No. I. We can set up another call. Like we can stop this and set up another. Okay. Call, so let's do that because then um, I had one more thing I was going to ask you guys if you had any questions for us okay. I do okay <gasps> oh, I have one uh oh yes I have a question Ooh. all right um, I'd like uh, either 
one of you or both of you to talk about the status of public health in relation to our current government and what oh, we should do us in it. to support public health awareness and the importance of funding public health. Because what I am alarmed at is the defunding of public health. Yeah. Well, I, I would say first, it's probably a good idea to learn about what the public health system is and what it does and how it's funded. Mm -hmm. And it's very complicated. And we have master's degrees in public health and, you know, there's stuff we are constantly learning about it all yes. the time. Yes. But I mean, learn uh, what the different agencies do, what the CDC does, what the NIH, the National Institutes of Health do, what the FDA, the uh, Food and Drug Administration does, HRSA, the Health Resources and Services Administration, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, um, HHS, HHS, which health is like the overall services. health and human services, kind of what their roles are that way. Because I always feel like before anyone takes a, a stand or, or goes out and, and argues a position, you need to be really well informed. And um, with that being said, it is it is really alarming seeing not only like the uh, reduction in funding, but like the denial of science and scientific evidence and yes. fact as being something that is true and worth acting on. And like the, the idea that we can um, develop and enact policy that's based only on, well, I think that this is happening, therefore we should do blank. Well, what does the evidence actually say? They don't care about that because what, what story that they want to push is more important than what, what is actually happening. I would say, um, and you can maybe take it at more of a local and state lens. Um, I know my my mom is in Michigan, um, but the politics between Florida and Michigan are very similar, yes, unfortunately. Um, however, you know, understanding how your local health department operates, you know, here in Pinellas County in Florida, you know, it's a partnership between the county and the state government. So, you know, um, knowing that your property taxes, but as well as, you know, state funds um, basically are what operate your local health department and, you know, just understanding what your local health department does for you. I mean, there's so many things that the health department does that people don't know about um, and they don't find out about until something goes bad. Um, and that I think is kind of the crux of the entire status of public health right now. Um, that we're still in such a reactionary cycle, you know, instead of being proactive, which is really the definition of being preventive, um, we don't get called in to do things until they get really bad, or people don't know about the things that we do until they get really bad. So, um, you know, I wish that it was not like that. You know, it's that old saying of, uh, an ounce of prevention equals a pound of cure, you know, and people still don't really understand that prevention really is way more economically feasible than, you know, trying to just put band-aids on these huge issues, especially when it comes to healthcare. And, and one of the things I think is really important that people also don't realize, and we talked about this in one of our other episodes, um, when we uh, talked about the Affordable Care Act is that, 
Repealing the Affordable Care Act not only impacts health care, but it also impacts public health funding. Having an established funding stream for agencies like the Centers for Disease Control, and that's the uh, Public Health Prevention Fund, I believe. And um, that was one of the things that the ACA um, basically enacted when it was uh, passed. So, you know, not only are you messing with, you know, you know, potentially having a lot of people be uninsured, uh, subsidies going away for people to be able to pay for affordable health care. But you're also so you're that's looking at really the reactive piece of people wanting to get treatment. But then you're looking at the also upstream prevention piece of that. So not even having funding to help people, you know, stop chronic disease. So um, but I would say, you know, talk to your local officials, um, you know, if they're looking at cutting funds for local health departments, because those are the people that are boots on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, and um, for both the state of Michigan and for the state of Florida, we both have different issues. I mean, Michigan just dealt with the Flint water crisis. Yeah. So and that was a whole thing. But um, there's a lot of other communities that are suffering from other um other issues in Michigan and in Florida that, you know, a lot of it has to do with just um, inaction at the state and local level. And and a healthy dose of skepticism is is a good thing. Yes, absolutely. I don't think that it's bad for um, politicians to, to want to ask why and why are things being done this way? Can we relook at that? But it, it becomes harmful when you don't trust um, expertise and when you just choose not to believe in facts. All right. I think it's intention. Are you skeptical and because you have an agenda or are you skeptical because you believe in the scientific process? Yeah. There's, there are so many problems that like <laughs> we would probably talk for an hour about it. Yes. So do you have any questions for us, mom? Well, um, I know you were talking about, uh, you know, public health and how it's funding. And I, I, uh, I guess the way things are going right now, I'm really concerned. And I know you are about, uh, Planned Parenthood. And, uh, you know, um, I know they want to do away with it. Well, they're trying to do away with it. Um, I, cause I, you know, it, it isn't, hard to know that it's lot it's less expensive to prevent pregnancy than it is to have to fund a child for 18 years and uh i uh i just don't understand sometimes uh i worry about planned parenthood because i i know they do a, a lot of good things for a lot of young people and uh I don't know what this administration's, I know what their agenda, I just hope they don't uh, get away with it. Um, do you have any insight on that? Um, well, I know currently that is a part of the American Health Care Act, which is very confusing because that's the AHCA, and they're trying to repeal the ACA, which is the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Right. Um, and Planned Parenthood is specifically 
has been specifically put in. So Planned Parenthood gets uh, Title X family planning funding. And it's that's, an organization that's not a government organization. Right, it's not. But it does receive reimbursement. Right, from, like Medicaid. Yes. And um, so I think that's something that some people get confused about. Like it's not a health department. No. It's not something that it's receives. It's a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit. Yeah. But for instance, like a hospital if you um, are older than 65 or below the, the poverty threshold and you qualify for Medicare or Medicaid um, and you receive a health service, the hospital would be reimbursed for that right. health service. Right. Planned Parenthood is the same way, but people, because of some of the types of services they provide, right. it becomes politicized and it's become really, really overinflated in, right. in its rhetoric. And, right. and it's just really unfortunate because they do a lot more than oh. just provide abortion services. Yeah. They they provide screenings and they for provide men educations and women. for men and women and family planning. And um, it's just really sad that it's become so highly politicized. Yes. So, yes, that's one of the mechanisms that they're trying to uh, hurt Planned Parenthood with is trying to essentially take away any federal funding, whether that's through Medicaid reimbursement or through uh, Title X family planning funding. So um, if you have private insurance, you could still go to Planned Parenthood and they can be reimbursed through that. But, you know, that's not to say that down the road, if this is successful, that they might even say, well, uh, we're going to put into place, you know, policy that uh, health insurance companies, you know, can't um, basically like you can't use your health insurance at places that provide abortion because they've already basically put it in. There's already policy in place that prevents private health insurance from paying for abortion. So, I mean, that's not to say that's not down the road, but. You know, I think that that's why it's important that if this is something that you're really passionate about, that you call your local representatives, um, your senators, you know, and um, it, it's it's very important to public health. You know, I know that we're kind of like wading into, you know, the political weeds, but pa Planned Parenthood has done so much for public health um, just through family planning, just through preventative uh, preventative care. So. Uh, but that's a good question. So thanks for asking. Do you have a, does any, any other questions, I guess, regarding public health? Yeah, thoughts? Uh, no, I, I mean, I am worried a little bit about the the policy they've, or the health care they've come out with. It didn't sound like it was going to do uh, any, women very justice. I mean, it sounded like uh, we we're going to, women are going to lose on the end again about um, maternity leave and uh, I think they were talking on the news something about I don't know how true it is but something about that um, the insurance companies can opt out where they want to cover maternity care or you know so you're not gonna have a choice all right. So I think what you're referring to is so uh, they are giving choice in um, pre-existing condition um, in the in the pre-existing condition mandate. So through the Affordable Care Act, it insurance companies couldn't either like unenroll you or refuse to enroll you if you had a pre-existing condition. And one of the things that is listed as a pre-existing condition is pregnancy. Oh, so um so that's, I think that's what you're referring to. And yes, like if you 
are pregnant or have been pregnant, you could potentially be paying more in your premiums. And what's kind of crazy. hidden beneath all of the, the policy language and the weeds is like, and this is one of the things that bothers me so much is, is it's okay to have a political position about something, but they, they aren't doing a very good job of defending their position. Exactly. And so you kind of have to think about, okay, well, why, why is that? And the reason that they are, are proposing this is because they believe that healthcare is not a, a federal government ro- responsibility and that they believe more, you know, like if you think about our um, couple episodes back when we talked about health as a human right, that health is more of a, a personal and individual responsibility than it is something that is is more for the, the greater good of, of all people. And so it kind of goes all the way back to that sort of moral and ethical um, fork in the road, whether they believe that. And, and it's like this, either it's an inability or an unwillingness to accept the fact that, um, like, for instance, if I'm not hungry right now, I can't then assume that everyone else in the room is also not hungry right now. Right. Um, or like, just because I'm not sick, therefore, everyone here doesn't need medication. It's like, well, it's just about me. Um, if I'm not sick, that doesn't mean I won't get sick in the future. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't mean that, you know, someone next to me might not get sick from something that's entirely not their fault. Um, it's like an inability to have basic human empathy. Uh, something that you learn to bring it full circle when you are in re- preschool. In preschool, and <laughs> yeah. So, thank you, mom, for teaching people about basic human empathy. You're welcome. Yes, it it is it is my uh, soapbox that I get on. Yep. It's and it's important, and it it kind of leads down the road. You you see you can see what happens oh, with people absolutely. who who don't have basic human empathy. And when they uh, get elected I to positions of power, and the window closed, yes. and the window closed. Yep. Oh man, uh, it's very, very true. And those those social skills are taught from birth to age of five. And if you know, there I am on my soapbox. If you can see me, Linda, I'm standing on my soapbox um, <laughs> be, because if 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 you don't get those opportunities then yes, it does become more and more difficult as you become a young adult to adulthood. And yes, you do spend time thinking about yourself instead of others. And where are we going in society? Yeah. Well, in our silos. Yeah. To, to leave it on a, on a hopeful note. Yeah. We're 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 so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Viral and yeah. um happy Me Mother's too. Day. Yeah, happy yeah. Mother's Day to, to you and to everyone else listening out there. And if you have any interesting stories about this type of conversation that we just had with our moms, um whether it's hey, this is why I decided to pursue my PhD in epidemiology and your mom's like, "What's that?" Um, we would love to hear hear those kinds of stories. So message us, uh, send us a, a a voice memo or, or, you know, reach out, tweet us, tweet us, 
whatever it is. Same yeah. thing if, if you're listening and you have um, a son or daughter who is in public health and you learned about their journey and um, wanted to tell us about it, let us know. Yeah. Have anything else, Lindsay? No. Oh, th- thanks, Mom, for being on the call. I appreciate it. Thank you for um, also teaching also teaching me empathy from a young age through being in preschool, but also being in 4-H, learning about animal husbandry and how to tie-dye shirts. And how to take care of others. Absolutely. Yes. There you go. Yeah. yeah. We're so, great moms, Linda. Yes, you are. You are great moms. You guys did great. <laughs> and we're so very proud of our children. You guys do a great job. So we, we, need, well, we need young people like you more and more. Yes. All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to stop the call before we all start crying. Yes. So. <laughs> well, all right. All right. Thank bye. you. Yep. Thanks, Mom. All right. See you. All right. Bye. Bye. Today's public health fact, folate, an essential B vitamin, reduces the fetus's risk for neural tube defects, which are malformations affecting the brain, spine, and spinal cord. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends that Women of childbearing age take 400 micrograms of folic acid uh, daily to reduce their children's risk for neural tube defects. In the United States, up to 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. The neural tube closes early in embryonic development, 28 days after conception. Therefore, a woman should begin folic acid supplementation ideally prior to becoming pregnant. But how do we make sure that that happens? Well, national programs to mandate fortification of food with folic acid have reduced the prevalence of neural tube defects worldwide. In the United States, mandatory fortification of enriched cereal grain products with folic acid was authorized in 1996 and fully implemented in 1998. Yay, bread! Yay, other fortified wheat products! Thanks for listening to Viral. This show was written and produced by Quinn Lundquist and Lindsay Grove. A special thank you and shout out to our moms, Sherry and Linda, for joining us today. For more information, visit www.viral-pod.com. Our theme is Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. Review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, please cover your sneeze and wash your hands.